Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, talking about another Manchester United defeat in the Champions League. One of the most... Rob, like we... We've seen some crazy matches this week. You know, Spurs-Chelsea was pretty mad. United have been in some mad matches themselves over the past few months and years. That one had everything, didn't it? Yes, Scott. Um, I think it's one of those things, isn't it, mate, where they say you make your own luck, yeah, in, in sport and in football. And Man United are definitely in that moment where things are still obviously fractured and they're not getting any luck at all. Um, but I think there was positive things about that display. And uh, I want to kind of talk about that today with you. And we can kind of go through, I think, some of the key moments in the match. But actually, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen from Manchester United. I actually think it was probably their best performance of the season. For 30 minutes. For the first half, before the red card. Yeah. It was like before the red card and after the red card, wasn't there? And you think about the injuries in the game. Oh, Johnny Evans went off injured early. You bring on a uh, Varane. Things about Varane that we'll talk about today. But but overall, Scott, it was a better attitude, better set of tactics early on, and and much more control from Manchester United than we have seen all season long. We've seen United play win football matches, Scott, and play a lot worse than they played yesterday. So th- there is a kind of I think small silver lining. But of course, that was a hard defeat to swallow. Of course, I, I did tweet that uh, like after about 30 odd minutes that this is this is kind of how Eric Ten Hag wants United to play. I don't, like I watch every single press conference that he does. Hmm. He says the same thing over and over again, sticking to principles, uh, following instruction, sticking to the plan, all of this kind of stuff. Hmm. And that's what they did for about 30 minutes. And then there's another two examples, really, periods within the game where they just... They have they have some kind of blow, red card, or mm. you give up a goal softly, and they forget everything. They yeah. forget everything, and we see them forget everything quite frequently. Uh, but and, and like this is why I, I I know people blame the manager this kind of thing. If you want us to blame the manager, we'll talk about things perhaps that the manager got wrong last night because he's not completely immune to criticism yeah. we we know that and we've said that on the podcast but there are again like if you lose to Copenhagen you're gonna get fingers pointed at the manager over and over again and I, I understand that but that's not the solution for me at this point uh and we'll, we'll talk about the reasons why so sorry if you come in here for slag off Eric Ten Hag podcast uh go somewhere else sorry uh but we'll talk we'll unpack everything from the game we'll just we'll talk about last night's game really Maybe look ahead to Luton briefly, but you know, it's more we'll focus on the fallout, we'll focus on the positives, we'll focus on the issues, we'll talk about the red card, we'll talk about Varan, all this kind of stuff. So, uh, keep, stick with us, uh, throughout the show. Subscribe as well wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube, the Promised Land and Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, and leave a comment as well. Hit the notification bell so you don't miss a show 
Follow us on social media as well at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show on X. So, right. Should we do positives first? Mm. Or do you want to, like, yeah, let's do, let's do chronological. Yes. Shall we? Let's, yeah, let's I like chronological. It, it was a kind of chronological thing, wasn't it? From <laughs> It was like minute by well, minute. Well, I'll ask you this question first. Were you surprised by anything you saw last night? I was surprised I played so well in the first 30 minutes. Okay. Like that, that was my, my shock. I was worried before the game, Scott, that United were going to go to Copenhagen and do what they've done for 10, 15 I games. thought they'd win. I said it in the office yesterday, I thought they'd win. I, I, did, I, I didn't feel that kind of optimism, but I've always been of the ilk, and I always am, that if they get it right, that they've still got enough quality on a football pitch to beat most teams. Like in that 30-minute spell, Scott, you saw that Man United had better players in Copenhagen. But like we said, when we talk about things like mentality and seeing the job through and instinct and all of that, it's not always just about talent, is it? So, yeah, chronologically-wise, I think before the game, in that first 20 minutes when we obviously went 2-0 up, I didn't kind of celebrate the goals. Like I was a bit like the goals went in and I was a bit like, Wait, mm, just just wait. <laughs> I'm a bit suspicious of this. Like, this is too good. Like, I'm glad like they were good goals. Like, again, I tweeted out before when people were telling me drop Hoyland, drop Hoyland, drop Hoyland. I was saying, no, pass the ball to Hoyland from six yards and let him tap it in the net. That's what you have to do with strikers. And guess what we did? You get two moments like that where Hoyland gets like two two bunnies, two nice, easy goals for him. And that's really what we have to be doing for that young lad at the moment, isn't it? But yeah, I think in that first spell of the game, I was I was really happy with what I saw. Like it was it, it was tactically sound, good energy. And when even when you lost Johnny Evans, that was, I think when we lost Johnny Evans, like we talk about the red card in a minute. I think but, that was the turning point. But there was something we lost Johnny Evans that something, the shape just changed a little bit. The impetus changed a little bit. That was when Copenhagen started to kind of come back into the game because they weren't in the game until the red card. Copenhagen looked like, you know, again, rabbit in headlights. They were like, what's happened here? This is not the same team we played at Old Trafford the other day. I mean, we'll talk about Varane later, but we just mentioned Evans there. Ericsson Hart's getting a lot of stick for keeping Rafa Varane out of the team. You might have seen last night why Rafa Varane is out of the team. I'm not being yep. funny, but you might have. Because... There was a, a highlight circulating on Twitter last night. And I, I'm sure if you watch the game, maybe you noticed this. I think it was in the lead up to the third goal where United playing it around the back, trying to find a way out. Square across the box to Varane. Easy pass to take. Miscontrol. Bobble. Gives it away on the edge of his own box mm-hmm. under no pressure. And sorry, that's not the manager's fault. Like the, these players need to be technically sound work well under pressure this kind of thing i'm not i'm not saying varan isn't technically sound but nowadays that level of ability to take the ball in any circumstance has gone up like it, it has and you see it a lot with this is what they drill into young players like through academies and this kind of thing the ability to do that and i think eric ten Hag's system is fundamental like i think that's a, that's an absolute fundamental that you need to have anyway i'm sidetracking um so what made them good in 30 minutes? What what made them good? I've said all season long, and this is, I think, where maybe I've been harder on the manager than, than say, yourself, is I've said I don't think the players look prepared. And what I mean by that is that you get a game plan on the training pitch and you execute the game plan on the field of play. 
And that, for me, has been missing this season. So I think that's the players and I think that that's part of the coaching stuff. So there's a link there between those two things. At the same time, Scott, in that 20 minutes, 30 minutes spell before the red card, that was there. You could see Eric Ten Hag's vision being played out by 11 lads on a football pitch. And and that is not like there's nothing mythical or brilliant about those things. Like you sit on the sideline and you observe and you can see when a player knows and a team knows what they're doing and they knew what they were doing. Pre-red card, they had control of their own faculty, Scott. And that might have been the first time this season we've said that. Also, crucially, they've created chances early in matches a lot this yeah. season and have missed them. Hmm. I know they still lost, but they actually took the first chance that they got. Mm. It was a tap-in from two yards. Yeah. But the fact that they created that chance for a striker, we know they can counter-attack, like, and they, they scored the second goal through that manner as well. But mm. the fact that that, you know, they've they've created chances. I remember they created a bunch of chances at Spurs, even in the, in the second game of the season, was it? They should have been 2-3 two, three, two, three up, really, before Spurs even had a look-in. Mm. And they missed their chances. But if you take your chances, it's, it's, it's amazing how the picture changes. <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> you if know? you score goals, like, isn't it like mad how football matches can change on a, on yeah. a whim? But <laughs> but <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because like you just said there with the first goal is that, you know, the other day we were lauding how great City were because it starts with Edison and Edison passes the ball out and you get one, two, three passes, you come out the back, goes into midfield, the midfield goes wide, the wide players then work together, you get the ball in the box, someone slides it across, you tap it in. That's football, that's what you practice every day of the week. And with Man United, we generally don't see that. And with that first goal, Scott, the player I was most happy with wasn't Hoyland, it wasn't McTominay got the assist, yeah, for me, I was really happy with Aaron Wambasaka because mm-hmm. he's up the pitch and he could easily just play the ball back 10, 15 yards, which is what he used to do under Solskjaer. guide. get the ball from that area, go, I don't know what I'm doing here, sliding it back to someone behind me. It's the easy ball. And what did he do? He dribbles it. He flicks it between two players into the box because he sees McTominay making that third man run in. And he goes, right, I can exploit this. Now I was like, my God, I've been dying to see that all season long. You know, this is what I wish for when I talk about tactics and exploiting an opponent. And we did it in that moment. And then what? The ball gets slid across. It's a tap in. So with football, football's a simple game, Scott, but it's like a chess match is that you have to find the right combinations to make these things work. In that first moment, you see, I did. A, I was like a bit shocked. I was like, oh, oh, that's almost a little bit too good for this season, but I'm really happy. Like, I was glad with it, but I didn't celebrate. I just saw the ball go in the net and I went, hmm, okay, that's how you want to start after three minutes. <laughs> Let's have a little bit more of that. Rasmus Hoyland now has five Champions League goals. I think he's the fastest player to, fastest Man United player in history to five Champions League goals, which is, yeah. uh, you know, considering everything. I know he's not scored a Premier League goal yet, but there is a player in there and like he's getting criticism, this kind of thing. But God, he's 20, you know? He's a kid. He's a, boy. he's a kid, but he's a striker. He's yeah. an actual striker who can score. Has the right striker's instincts. He's got heart. He's, he's, and he's got heart as well. That There was one moment where I think he gave a foul away, but he chased back 25, 30 yards to win the ball back. And it's like, wow, I, I'd never really see that <laughs> that kind of energy from, from this team in general. There are other, other issues that United have to fix and, and sort out, and we'll talk about those in a bit. But, you know, <clears throat> that first 30 minutes was... 
I think what Ten Hag wants, really. You know, that I know that the pressure from Copenhagen wasn't no, they they stood off really, didn't they? So the United were able to have a little bit more time to consider what they were doing, this kind of thing. I do think the first goal coming in two minutes might have actually changed their changed their approach as well. So, you know, the fact that that if you score a goal that early, yes, it can alter matches. I know they lost anyway, but um smart and composed in possession, I think they were for a time. The press was good. Um desire to win the ball back after losing it, uh interchanging of positions and this kind of thing. And like the counter-attack second goal was something that we know United can do. Hmm. And Hoyland is Hoyland profited from it because he is rapid. <laughs> you know? Totally. And and I think you're between a rock and a hard place quite often with football is that you have kind of an idealism of what you want to be, but actually what you're also really good at is transition. So like you want to find that transition moment, like with the second goal you saw there, I was really pleased with Garnacho, Scott. They didn't pass it because the best thing you can do there is create a second chance opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that is make the shot, make a good shot, put it in the corner, force the goalkeeper to parry it, like force him. Don't, don't give him an easy one, you know, make sure that that ball stays live. And that's what Garnacha did because he could have passed that ball and everyone would have gone, oh, that's unselfish. That's good, especially if Harland uh, uh, had uh, 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 tapped it at home. But that would have been the wrong choice. So I was glad that he made that that opportunity. That's why I quite like Garnacho in the team. I think that he has that gel in that final third of that. He'll, he, you know, he'll dribble into those areas. So two really good goals and a really good way to start the game in terms of giving yourself the confidence to go on and win that game. And I think if it was 11 v 11 for the football match and we didn't have all the madness that unraveled in this 90 minutes, well, it wasn't 90 minutes, was it? It was like first half was was like a 60-minute game, wasn't it? <laughs> because of 13 minutes of stoppage time. Uh, and then you get four or five minutes at the end of the football match. So it was a very long football ga- uh, game. Uh, is that you You realised that you were doing the right thing, Scott, and it was working. You just said that about uh, Copenhagen standing off. Copenhagen play a false nine and they pack that middle of the park and United work that out and they just pass through it because that's what good teams do. It's what Man City would do. Man City would be like, yeah, we'll just play two extra passes and we'll get to where we want to be on the football pitch to get our optimum move off. And United were doing that, Scott. And I think that's a massive positive. And Ten Hag will feel okay about that this morning. He'll think about that and go, right, maybe one or two or three same old issues. We lost the game. Conceding four is horrible. But you know what? This lot can do some of this. And I know he can. And he said that, hasn't he? Like in press conferences. His post-match was pretty positive, I think. Yeah. Obviously, he talked about the decisions, which we'll we'll run through as as we go along. Um, But now he has something. And people say, oh, it's only Copenhagen. Like, I had loads of replies last night. It's only Copenhagen. How can you read anything into Like, come on, people. Honestly, like, you, you... you criticize for not seeing a style for X amount of time. You finally see a style, and then it's like, oh, there's only Copenhagen. Doesn't make doesn't mean it's a style. Well, I know. Well, th- this is what they're trying to do, and what Ten Hag has now is it's only thirty minutes, but he has something to say. Look, you can do it. It is possible. We just need to fix all of the other stuff, but you need to keep doing this because it works. And we've proven it works. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I think the camp will be. I think they'll be a little bit upset with how some of the decisions went down. But obviously, I think 
you you need to take the positives. There's so many negatives around the club at the moment that you just need something to cling on to. And I think that is one of the big things from last night is that, yeah, they lost and they're not out of the Champions League yet, by the way. I think they, if they even take four points, really, from the next two, they could still qualify. But they, that would mean one at least one big win. Uh, but, yeah, positive. I think they have something to cling on to, Rob. Look, they'll be gutted they lost, Scott, in the same way we were all gutted at the final whistle. Like, I think this is it. There's a billion Man United fans, and I think everyone feels the same thing at the end of the end of the day, is that when you lose a game, it hurts. It's just normal in football, isn't it? But I think like the ironic twist of all of this is that they will go back to the training ground, like you said there. And the things that Ten Hag preaches, you know, press conference after press conference, we're absolutely know what he's trying to do. It's if the players can actually do it. And what we saw last season, Scott, is the same kind of pattern, is that 10 games, United were absolutely awful, and they figured out a way. And do you know how they did it, Scott? They slowed the game down in possession. They got the ball, bang, bang, bang in their own half, and then they played on transition. They got in the other end of the pitch. And it worked last year. And that that 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you want to call it, in the first half, looked like 12 months ago, where United just kind of figured it out. I know we took Ericsson off because you have to in that moment to kind of make that work in terms of making your 4-4-1 without, without the red card, with the red card there. But I think, again, having Ericsson in there, a ball plays exactly like it was 12 months ago, is that you put the ball on the deck and you just say to him, make the simple pass. Don't It doesn't have to be raking balls into the corners. You just play simple football and United are not always very good at the simple stuff like the five-yard stuff. Again, I think Scott McTominay yesterday gets that assist, doesn't he, for the goal. But I think for the rest of the game, you saw the issues with him in the six, is that he just can't make simple passes. Just makes ball bounces off his shin too many times. Maybe the same for Bruno as well later in the football match, just do the simple stuff. So I think the manager's trying to dial it back to what we saw post-Brentford 12 months ago. And that's a good thing, Scott, because I think if you can get back to that form, you very quickly rose the table after that, you know what I mean? Even though it felt really bad. And we have to remember that it might feel bad now. You've lost another football match. But one good stat here, Scott, and I'm going to put this out there. If we'd won that game yesterday, that would have been the quickest any Man United manager had ever got to 50 victories in their tenure at Old Trafford. It took him, it's about, I think it's match Wasn't 73. Wasn't that the stat from the last game? Well, yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think unless you, no, well, no, I think it's. No, this, I, I, I swear I saw that the other day. If we'd won it last the... night. If we won it last night, I think it would have been 50 victories in his first 76 games, right? So Fergie took 103 to win his first 50. So if you compare those things, like, you know, history and the modern day and all of this, Ten Hag's not doing so bad in terms of the big fundamentals of where you want to go. It just feels bad because it's the worst start since 1963 and all of these things. Is that the wider project over 18 months... He's getting to 50 victories a lot quicker than, say, Fergie ever did. Fergie took 100, 100 games, more than 100 games. So it's a shame he didn't win that game last night because that, I think, would have been one of the buzzwords today is that you got to 50 wins in this period. And they do matter, doesn't it? Because I think, again, you know, it's what the press, what we lie on, we kind of work on that and these little buzz things sometimes. Is that he's just got to get these things right. Got to get it right on the training pitch and got to get these players playing for him. And I think that first 20, 30 minutes, we saw that. Even at the start of the second half, like they managed yeah. that quite, <clears throat> quite well, really. But we'll talk in, we'll talk about why United lost mm. uh, very shortly. But there is, 
there are positives to take here. There's another game before the international break, right? If they if they can go and you'll be at, at the Luton game, just go beat Luton. Like, don't even play. You'd have to play well for nine minutes. Just do a little bit more of that, what we saw, and just get the win and bring everyone back around. The Champions League isn't out of reach yet. I mean, you know, they might still qualify how far they actually get after the after the group stages. You know, it's an extra two games probably because they'll come up against some big team and then, I don't know, maybe, maybe things will be fixed a little bit better by then and they, they will have a chance. But like, you know, the important thing is just to grab onto what is positive and eradicate what's negative. Now, Rob... The the whole match changed on Rashford's red card, didn't it? Mm, definitely. And <clears throat> there's no doubt that teams who can cope better with adversity probably would have managed that situation better. But let's we'll talk about that in a second. Red card opinion to start with. It's not a red card. And 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 I can go I can spend half an hour explaining to everyone why it's not a red card. But I think that this is like you you described it to me off camera, Scott, as like a modern red card. And I agree with that. You know, I think this is we are seeing football being like refereed. Common sense being eroded from. Absolutely. You know, you know, but it's also interpretation of the rules. So when we look at the rule for a red card in that situation, it's serious foul play. That's what you get the red card for. Yeah. And then there's a criteria of about four kind of methods about why, why it is serious foul play. And you have to tick one of those boxes. You don't have to tick them all, but you have to tick one of them. And I think when you look at the criteria of it, was Rashford out of control of his body? No. Was Rashford deliberately endangering an opponent? No. Did Rashford like, and all you actually see in that moment, of course, with the still is the player's foot under Rashford's foot. So really what essentially Marcus Rashford did like, did Marcus Rashford, again, in this criteria, stamp down on the players, you know, on the opponent? No, he didn't. He, he's holding his position. He's on two feet. He's completely in control of his own faculty, Scott. And the referee is 15 yards from the play, right on the side with the perfect view and doesn't even give a foul. Do you know why, Scott? Because it's not a foul. It's not even a foul. It is, it's just a moment. It's a coming together. And the player... Mm-hmm isn't trying to manufacture anything. I'm talking about the Copenhagen player, but he kind of slides under Rashford from the side. Like Rashford doesn't know he's there. And yes, then you get a still of Marcus Rashford's foot here and someone's ankle. And do you know what, Scott, as well? Football fans are also fooled by this now because I saw it last night. People were saying, oh yeah, that's a definite red card. It's a definite red Because you know, look, he's, he's going to break his ankle. It's, a, it's an ankle breaker. It's not an ankle breaker. That's not. It's not excessive call- force, really, is it? It's definitely not excessive force. Like someone stood on their own two feet, holding their own, like their own, their their own physicality, and being still in control of their own physicality is a big, big kind of describer of, of serious foul play. Is that once you leave that? Did you saw obviously with the Romero red card the other day with Tottenham? Again, similar situation, wasn't it? There's that he gets the ball cleanly, he smashes the ball away, and deliberately holds his leg up and goes through the player's shin. That is serious foul play. He's out of control of his body. He's endangering an opponent. Two parts there. Double, double. It's a double red card, you know, but you can only obviously get one. So that's what the rule book says, and that's how it's supposed to be interpreted. What we're seeing with VAR, and I'm a VAR advocate. I'm not going to walk away from VAR. So am I, by the way. Like, and like, it, It's testing me at the minute, but, you know, I, I am. And like, I've, I've been pro-VAR. My, my explanation for it was give it a few years the kinks will work itself out. We're at the phase now where the kinks are not working themselves out and things need to change. And it's gone on a bit too long. They, 
it seems like referees nowadays are finding reasons to punish people and finding reasons to rule out goals and finding reasons to punish accidental handballs. And I know like the, the definition of what a handball is and that that's the problem that, yeah. you know, the, I think the rules are the problem. And obviously the, the people who are running this uh, probably uh, not perfect either. Um, Anyway, I, I interrupted you. No, no, that's fine. It, 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 the problem is, Scott, is not VAR. The problem is the rule book and humans interpreting the rule book. Because what we're seeing is that referees and officials are being tasked to be tough on certain elements of the game. And that's because the suits upstairs that run the game in terms of the rule book are saying, like, for instance, we'll talk about the, 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 the handball in a minute, but let's just go back to the Rashford red card, is that they're saying that if a TV replay shows something like that, where someone's ankle is under someone's foot, that's a red card. That's, that's just, just a red card. And what you saw with the referee is that if it takes you two minutes to kind of overturn your own decision and you look at it and you're kind of thinking, well, I didn't think there was anything in that. Do you know what? Your first instinct was probably right. So we have to go back now, Scott, with VAR about clear and obvious. Is that that moment isn't actually as clear as obvious as that still shows. Because when you look at Rashford's body, he does what everyone's done on any football pitch ever. I've done it. I'm sure you've done it, Scott. I'm sure our audience have done it. Anyone that's played football. So when you shield the ball, you make yourself bigger if there's someone behind you. And Stick that, your that, ass out and plant your foot. Yeah, you put <laughs> yeah. your arms out, your shoulders out, you plant your leg like this, and you're holding the ball in front of you. That's what you're taught to do from a very young age. That's all Rashford did yesterday. And like, obviously, he laughed his head off when he got sent off because I think he was just like, this is ridiculous. But the problem is, is that we didn't want VAR for these things. We wanted VAR for, for clear and obvious errors. And that's the way they still word it. We don't want VAR to be refereed by video. We don't want to stop the game. You know, with the subjective offside the other day that we had, it took four minutes to come to that decision. Yeah, well, I think if it, ta if it takes you four minutes to decide something, to overturn something or decide you were wrong. If you can't do it in 30 seconds, don't do it. For yeah. me, I've, I've said the criteria should be 60 seconds. So I go, if in 60 seconds you can't make the call, you stick with the on-field. That's what every other sport does, Scott. If you can't change it within a very quick period of time, I think rugby has found a way to like give. Like, no, but even even rugby isn't perfect. Like that, that is, of course, you know. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. Traditionally, rugby's been quite good with with that. Yeah. But even nowadays, is I think there's a whole new drama to it. But you know, I, I I'm with you to be honest. Like for me, like I've seen that red card given or something similar to that. If if your boot studs touch somebody's shin really mm. nowadays they're gonna give it and like mm. I, for me i i have no real complaints about it because i've seen it happen and i'm just kind of in a position where oh no that, that you know that's a red card i know they're gonna give it and that's just where we are in football and i think that that's my, my the way that i look at it the, the issue that i did have an issue with though right and eric ten Hag said this in his post-match so We'll talk about the players' reaction in a second. Mm -hmm. But Copenhagen score pretty soon after that. They had, think they hit the bar with from the free kick that was given after that challenge. Well, it, although it wasn't a free kick, as you said. Um, <laughs> and then soon after that, they concede. And it's like, oh no, we're doing mm. our thing again. But talking about VAR, there's a player standing in front of Andrea Onana. So, yeah. 
<laughs> you know so i i don't want to like united are due criticism like we'll talk about the how they can't manage situations this kind of thing but and we've been very rob we, we've tried very hard not to talk about injuries because they're not an excuse we've tried united are probably one of the worst teams in europe for suffering from var decisions this season yeah. they had a hell of a lot of bad luck haven't they a hell of a lot of bad luck. And as you said, you, you know, you run out of luck or you don't make your own luck. <laughs> Is that, you You know, it felt like in those first 20, 30 minutes last night that Man United were going to have a good day at the office. You know, you kind of, you know, you're suspicious, aren't you? Just one more thing about that, Scott, about the about VAR and the red card and all this. And as you just said there, there's no doubt that I think in the Premier League, you see, and this is the diff- this is why I can't get my head around. So you have like a different set yeah. of rules in the Premier League and a different set of rules in Europe. Like they're two separate games. Like, you know, like, you know, so in Europe, they don't really look at that where, where where the offside is in terms of being in front of the goalkeeper. They let that play out a lot more. I think United benefited from that last season. There was a moment where where there was a goal that went in the kind of top corner and we had a player in front of the the, 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 um, uh, the goalkeeper and they just played it on because they're not interested in that. In the Premier League, that gets given as an offside. Now, I actually personally don't think it's offside. I don't want offside to be interpreted like that. I think a goalkeeper normally from 30 yards has a decent chance to be able to know what's happening in front of him. Do you know what I mean? Or he can actually see around uh, the play as well. It's not like you've got this huge immovable object in front of a goalkeeper's vision. But I think this is why it's important that we ratify and clarify at the highest level about how VAR is used and how the rule book is. Because I think if you've got four points to make something there, Scott, if it's a red card, then go through the four points. Because I think if you go through the four points, you can't give the red card. But what we're seeing in football is this push on referees and the pressure is on referees to give that kind of red card. Because yeah. that's the modern punditry is that you look at that and go, oh, leg breaker. It's not a leg breaker. He's still in his own two feet. He doesn't even know he's there. It's not a leg breaker. <laughs> leg breaker is what we saw with Romero the other day. Happy for VAR to highlight that kind of thing. Because that is what we want it for. But... Do you know, there's one other moment, Scott, later in the game where Rasmus Hoyland goes up in the air and the player's behind him and the player goes up with his hand round the yeah. side of Rasmus's head and it's not point of the elbow, but he smashes Rasmus Hoyland in the head and if you look at the criteria there, does he endanger the opponent? Absolutely. So there is a, there's a question there about if that's a red card. It didn't even get reviewed. So that's but, the like, stupidity. This is it. another silly thing, right? I think yeah. the rule is that... The, sorry, my phone's ringing. Um, the... The rule there is they can't review. Like, if that was a straight red card, then fine. But to mm. me, I don't think it was a straight red card. I thought that was a no. yellow. But they can't yeah. review a yellow, <laughs> you know? So it's like, he was on a booking already. I think that's the second booking. I, I don't know if it it's was. strong enough for a red card. Yeah. But the, the, the rules are so arbitrary, like, so stringent yeah. that they can't do anything. It's mad, isn't it? It's mad Unless that you it's can't... A, it's, a, it's a straight red. So what we're talking about here, really, is actually empowering VAR more and actually saying to VAR that like we just want the made, like major decisions to be reviewed, but don't don't review them just to like a criteria. I think we've also got to look, Scott, more with VAR about spirit of the game. And we talk about spirit of the game, you know, widely over time, is that if something happens in a game which falls into a foul play element and it's on the line then really that's where you want video to help you. So he doesn't go up and elbow Rasmus in the head, 
But does he endanger the opponent? We're just seeing, we're just going to use the rugby analogy one more time, is that in rugby, they've now made a real kind of strict line, haven't they, with this going into the tackle, not bent over. So if you go into the tackle, stood straight up, and your shoulder goes into someone's chin, you're off, it's finished. Like, it doesn't matter whether it's deliberate or not, you've endangered the opponent. You are absolutely, it's your duty of care to go in and wrap round, round, round the waist. Now, for non-rugby fans, I understand you might, you might not understand anything I just said. However... Is that I think with football you have to look at the duty of care in that moment. And is that is Marcus Rashford trying to cause damage to the opponent? No, he isn't. Is the person going up with, with Rasmus Hoyland with his arm in his face like that? Does he know that that might hurt Rasmus Hoyland and hurt him and catch him on the chin? Well, yeah, he does. So it's it, it's about. I know it's not about deliberacy, but it's about the act, and that you have to kind of dial it back to whatever the act is and whether it's in the kind of. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba the spirit of the game in that moment. And, and I think that's, we've lost that you see with VAR is that now they're just doing it on technicalities. And I don't think referees know what they're supposed to be given. I think that referee goes to the monitor and he's like, well, I, I know what I saw, but I also know what I'm seeing here. And I'm being advised by my mate in the, in the booth over there that that's a red card. So do you know what? Uh, red card. And we're seeing it, Scott. All the time, over and over again, just these kind of erroneous decisions that really don't help football. Right. So, right, we've been going thirty-two and a half minutes. We so got to the red card. Let's think. <laughs> right. Let's let's group the handballs together. Right. So mm. United had a penalty given for handball, and so did Copenhagen. Yeah. And then we'll do United not being able to hold to to deal with pressure in any situation as the the bad bit. The closing section of the show. Mm. Right. So. <clears throat> Handball, I looked at each of them mm. and I thought, in Maguire's case, are they going to give a penalty? And in the United penalty case, I'm really sad, but that like that that's a penalty, <laughs> you know? And it's so sad for me that we've come to a place in football where they are penalties, you know? And that's, again, just, the, the, just, just where we are. Um, you talked a lot about Rashford's red card, this kind of thing. We talked about the offside for the first goal. Where do you sit on the handballs, Rob? Uh, I don't think either are handballs. So, like again, yeah, you're right. Like in the modern day, again, when you slow it down to super slow mo, then you can see if the ball brushes someone's arm. When the rule was changed last year, and people were saying to me, oh, "I like the rule change of the, of the shirt sleeve," I was like, "Well, the problem with that for me is that." What if the ball hits you there, hmm. like this bit? Like the ball's quite big, yeah. So if the ball hits you there, is that handball then? Because is it does it have to be below the arm or above the? Like how does this work? Yeah, you like we always knew that if the ball came from the shoulder point, is that your arm starts here. You saw with the with the Harry Maguire one when it hits his arm, and the thing is, Scott, this thing's happened in naught point naught 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 one second. Yeah. Like they happen like so quickly on the football. There's no way a player understands 
where his body shape is. Like, what do you do? You can't play the game with your hands. Rasmus Hoyland actually did that. <laughs> I don't know if you saw bit. this. And, well, you've seen, <laughs> was defending towards seen the end. Victor Lindelof do it for like two, three years. It does my head in. Like, he stands there in front of people and you're like, just well, be normal. Just for the people who are listening on audio, Rob is like pushing his head forward with both of his hands behind his back. You have to watch the yeah. YouTube for my acting skills here. <laughs> but but the thing is, when it comes off um, Maguire's arm, it's really close to that sleeve, that sleeve line. And you, there's no way that we can interpret these things as handball. Now, I know deliberacy doesn't come into it, again, with handball. It's about gaining an advantage. Does Harry Maguire or the other player particularly gain an advantage? Well, it brushes their arm in that moment, and that now has become handball. But because we've moved where handball is, Scott, I think it's become even more subjective, even more difficult to call. Like once upon a time, if it hit you there, yeah, well, that's handball. It's just what it is. It's always been the shoulder point. And and offside then moves to here. Like, this is the problem with it, is that offside was always at the shoulder point. It was so much easier like when we had it like that. So the sleeve rule is a nonsense. So you get two yellow, you get two uh, penalties that actually shouldn't be penalties, but they give the second one, Scott, because they gave the first. So, like, when the well, second one well, happened, you're like, like, it's definitely on, because they, they gave it to Maguire as well. When, it, when United were at Bayern, didn't they just pull back to 2-1, was it? And then... Yeah, they were getting back into the game or whatever it was. Mm. And Christian Eriksen handballs it from about a yard and he's not able to do anything about it. Ten Hag called this out in his press conference yesterday. In each Champions League game United played in this season, they've given a penalty away and three of them are nonsense. They, they really nonsense. are. Like the, the Casemiro one against uh, Galatasaray, absolutely fine. Penalty, of course mm. it is. The others, oh... You know, do you know what, Scott? They're trying to use this logic of of natural position. That's what they keep using. And the irony is, Scott, it's not in the rules. That's a mandate. So the referee's been told what's a natural position and what isn't, right? You're not telling me that Harry Maguire in that moment where it's all a melee is not in a natural position. Like his natural position might be like here, but he's trying to like be involved in the play. I always think a natural unnatural position should be this. And people, again, if you're not watching us, it's your hand up above your head or to the or wide or where you make your body so wide that your hand is almost at 90 degrees to your body. And that's the, the, easy like, to, to kind of work with, isn't it? And the thing, the reason why it's so difficult for United fans to stomach this is because we've seen, I know they're different bodies, different refereeing uh, bodies. Hmm. The Garnacho Romero handball at Tottenham. It's clear. That's Mad. the worst of the lot. It's <laughs> the know. worst of the lot. And it wasn't given. Yeah. You know? And that wasn't given, Scott, because last year, when they were giving handballs, the Referee Association, PGMOL, went, oh, yeah, it's not spirit of game, is it? Like, So what we'll do is we'll, we'll tweak it again for the eighth time. But then, like, you know, we'll talk about body shape. And the problem is with body shape is that in a 0.0.111 of a second that you see on a, on a still of a replay, is that a, a footballer doesn't know what his body shape is at that moment unless he changes his body shape to gain an advantage, which will be putting his hand up in the air, his hand out from his body. And I want to see handball go back to that kind of merit, is that we can't talk about deliberacy because we haven't done for 20 years. But let's look at the act in the spirit of the game. If you've got your arms out, then hit your arm, penalty. Let's go back to the shoulder. Let's get rid of this sleeve rule. It's a, it's a terrible rule. It doesn't work. It moves offside to an unnatural level. Because who scores with this part of the body, Scott? No one. No one ever has scored with that part of the body. For it to be part of offside is a nonsense. 
And I think when you look at those two moments last uh, last night, when we get our penalty, I'm watching it and I'm doing what you're doing. I'm like, well, it's obviously a penalty in the modern day, but it's not a penalty. It's not a foul. Like he's not he's not yeah. tried to like you actually saw Maguire at the start of the moment push the player out of his way. You could have gone back to that and gone, well, he's pushed the player. But what we're also seeing in football now, Scott, is that we want more physical contact. So if you push someone, which is a foul, oh, we'll just let it go. It's kind of like, it's just mad. The whole thing is just a complete nonsense. Right. Final section. 38 minutes on refereeing almost. Well, it wasn't really. We've done, <laughs> no, it wasn't. We've done, no. this, is a, this is a three We have part. to do it. We have to do it. Part three now is we've done the positives. We've done the referees. Let's do the negatives because hmm. I said this right last night. And again, this is why I've come on this. I've got a lot of stick for this as well. This is why I'm saying be patient with the manager because we've seen you cannot sit there and tell me that the manager wants to play like we've been playing for the no. last year. No way. <laughs> no chance. No, no chance. coach wants that from the team. No coach wants that. What he's dealing with is what we continually run into United score a goal they concede straight mm. away United concede a goal they concede another straight away United get a red card they can't deal with the pressure and concede a goal all of this kind of stuff it's fragile fragile mentality definitely and there are I don't know how the far this dates back right but this has been a pattern since Moy's got Moy's got hammered a few times. Van Gaal, not really, I, I, unless I'm I might be missing one. Uh, leave a comment if I'm missing something. The first one I really remember is Mourinho getting stuffed six-one at home by Spurs. Yes, I remember that. And obviously, it happened with Ferguson as well. But that's that's so long ago where they lost six-one to City. Like the team lost their minds that day, right? And then that happened with Mourinho. Mm. The ones that it really happened with, though, was Solskjaer. When Solskjaer tried to open up at home against Liverpool. Oh, like yeah. And the Spurs game. And the Spurs game. And all mm. yeah, all of this. They tried to open up and play. And he, and he said it in an interview recently as well. He said, I got it wrong, but I thought we could, we could match Liverpool. And they stuffed, like, the game was quite even, but we lost 5-0. Like, <laughs> the game was even, but we lost 5-0. And this, <laughs> I was there. The game was very even and we lost 5-0. Yeah, like, I think that's right. That's, that's, uh, I'm, I'm not I know what directly mean. quoting him, but I think he said something like that, right? Yeah. And it's happened at City last mm. year where they lost 6-3. They shipped four goals in the first half an hour or something like that. It happened at Watford when Solskjaer was sacked where they conceded two goals in like the last two minutes to make it 4-1. There's tons of examples, absolutely tons of examples of this happening. This squad is emotionally damaged. They cannot handle situations like that. They they, they still can't process it in their minds because a bulk of this squad were there for those defeats. And I'm absolutely adamant that this is the case. And this is why I think the squad needs to break up. And this is, this is why you need a clear out. I, I said last night, Chelsea levels of clear out. Like there's the wages, this this kind of thing. But I think the mentality in this kind of thing is, no. I don't think anyone can fix it because Ten Hag says in every single press conference, stick to the plan, stick to the plan, keep doing the principles, keep like reverting back to everything that we're doing in training. They just don't do it. They can't deal with it. They can't deal with the pressure. And what it results in is spurts of goals conceded. And yeah. we had two of those last night. We had... 
the two before half time after the red card. And then we had the two in the last 10 minutes where they were down to 10 men. Mm. They forget like, oh, oh no, there's a bit of an atmosphere here. Mm. And uh oh, like we we feel like it's going to happen. And Dallo over his shoulder knows that yeah, I'm sure he knows that somebody's going to come in and steal in ahead Same of him. It happens movie. all the time. Yeah. But Dallo got a five-year deal a few months ago. So United are rewarding this over and over. You know, it's it's a an, a cycle that needs to be broken. And like, I'm, I think I'm being harsh on the players there, but it continues to happen. And I, do, I don't see how you can blame Eric Ten Hag for that, those brain farts. I, I don't. And I think what you saw in the first 30 minutes was what he's trying to do. And what you saw in the, the two periods of 10, 15 minutes is what he's dealing with. Mm. And the only way to change that really is to get players who are able like in fundamental positions like Varane, as I mentioned at the top of the show, get mm. players who can deal with pressure and take the ball under pressure and be sensible with it and this kind yeah. of thing because they just lost their minds again. They kept giving the ball away easily. I've been talking for ages. Sorry, Rob, go on. No, it's all right, mate. It's all right, mate. I, 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 I completely agree with pretty much everything you're saying. A bit I will kind of interject on and kind of look at is that for me, as we said, like these, these two spells in the game where, where United kind of lost it, yeah, for me, what can the manager do differently last night and what can the players do differently? Well, I think that when you go 3-2 up with the penalty, when Bruno Fernandes scores that penalty, with 20 minutes to go, I wanted to see the manager get fresh legs on, set the team up in a low block, park the bus and say, we're 3-2 up. It doesn't matter what you try and do, Copenhagen. We're going to battle you in this zone of the pitch and we're going to close the game down. Now, one of the things I observed at that moment just before the penalty was that Rasmus Hoyland was finished. Rasmus Hoyland was knackered. He'd been running for like 70-odd minutes, run, 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 done his job. At that moment, Ten Hag, Steve McLaren, the whole of the coaching staff have to identify that even though things are going okay for you and you've suddenly got back in front of the, the match, is that you're down to 10 men. You're in a kind of, as I said, quasi 4-4-1. You have to find ways to make that system carry on working and be solid. I think what we saw there, Scott, going towards the end of the game, we'll talk a little bit about Varane in a minute, but it wasn't about just about Man United losing their minds because we've seen that all the time. But I think when you get to the 80th minute in a football match, vast majority of footballers are spent, they're knackered, they're finished. And you know what that means? It means they can't read the game like they are reading it before because they're huffing and puffing. Now, with this lot of Man United, I think that's what you see with someone like Delo. So Delo can have moments in games where he looks like quite a good fullback is that he'll move forward and he'll invert. He'll do some actually good stuff. And I get loads of people tweeting me going, oh, Delo's really good. What I've seen with Delo, and maybe I say with Victor Lindelof as well, Harry Maguire also, we saw it last night with Varane, is that it's not okay to lose their minds, but they can't put 90 minutes together. They, yeah. they, they, they can just do it in spells because the manager says, do X, Y, and Z, and they go, yes, boss, and they do it. But like you saw there with Delo on the back post with those goals, it's not even a case of switching off. For me, it's just like, I I can't do this. I cannot do it. No, like, you know, they were saying, he must have known the player was behind him. Well, the thing is, when he's fresh, probably. He probably, yeah, probably, yeah. He probably looks over his shoulder yeah. and goes, oh, my God, did you see the goal? Obviously, I think it was in Europe, wasn't it? Where Delo gets done and, oh, which one was it? It was the, the game at home 
when Galatasaray and 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 all he's got to do is defend his space and he just kind of flops around and the player runs through him and gets it over Anana and everyone blames Anana. Uh-huh, so, the, the, the first goal, right? That's yeah. right. Anana, you should have stood up and Anana gets the blame. But I was like, no, it's Delow, physicality-wise. You just have to hold your ground. You don't have to just be strong. And they're at the back post. That's all you have to do. You just keep that channel and no one gets close to you. You just hold your body. Luke Shaw's really good at it. Luke Shaw's quite strong in that moment. He'll hold that position. And if someone bashes into him, they'll bounce off Luke Shaw. Delow is the opposite. Delow's like paper. You know, Lindelof is like paper. You know, people go through them and just they flop and fall on the ground. And then they go, I think you saw Delow. Uh, banging the ground, uh, and I was banging the ground as well. I was still sat here going, "It's the same." Oh, oh congrats for having that passion. I just sat there. <laughs> no, I, I, did, I got more. I got more annoyed as the game went on. I think in the second half, I was like, at, as I said, at at three two, I was like, "Well, first of all, tick box, minor miracle that you're ahead. How have you got ahead? I don't know, but you're three two up. Another tick box. You're not that far from the end of the game. You've got twenty minutes, so shut the shop." Go full Jose, park the bus, get bodies in there and get runners in there and do that. That was my disappointment with Ten Hag last night. I think he got the game plan right. Do you think that there's an element of he doesn't trust a lot of players? A million percent. A million percent. I think that he he is kind of managing by numbers. So he, I think again, this is why Varane isn't starting games. I said we'll cap the show off with Varane. With Varane, is that something is going on between Varane and the manager? And the manager's going right. I don't like this. You're not. You're not in my team. That's okay. I'm fine with that. You make that choice. Johnny Evans, I think, is the opposite of that. Johnny Evans is a good, solid pro. He might be 36 years old. I wouldn't have started Johnny Evans yesterday, but but you can get- see why he did. Hundred percent. Like, you know, like Ten Hag is getting. Why is he starting a thirty-six-year-old over a World Cup-winning centre back? You saw Johnny, it last yeah, time. Johnny Evans is a mentality monster. Johnny Evans knows what he's good at, and he'll try and go and do it, and he'll give you that hundred percent of the time. He's not perfect, is he? But he'll go and do what you want him to do. But I think you saw in that moment for me when Hoyland was so tired, and you're three-two up. You should have pulled him straight away. I would have probably put Mount on. Why would I put Mount on that moment? Because Mount runs. Mount is a runner. He's a presser he did and he runs. Come on, he did in the 83rd minute, 80th minute or whatever. But the problem is you'd conceded by then and it was 3-all. So the game had changed again, you see. At 3-all, then Copenhagen are going, you lot are tired and we're going to run you. We're going to keep running you. We're going to put balls in the box and we're going to make you look stupid. That's exactly what happened, wasn't it, Scott? So you lost the game. Theatre those... of nightmares. Yeah, and, it, and and do you know what? It was it was a nightmare in the end because you lose the game. But ironically, that was probably the best you've played all season. Like it's that's the weird thing about think, all of this. Yeah, is that you can lose a game like that. But I think you can you can take massive positives into the training ground in the next day. And I think Ten Hag will be saying, "Well, Delo, you got done at the back post again. Why, mate? I think Aaron Wabasaka had a really good game, but then gives the ball away." Uh, they get a corner. It was the one where he played it back to Anana at kind of waist height and he can't keep it in. Again, Scott, I think that's quite interesting that that one of the replay shows that the ball might have still been in. But then again, they're not allowed to check these things, are they? So he clears the ball, but obviously they give it as a as a corner and they score. But I'm more happy with what Wamasaka did in the main body of the game. I'm not going to punish him for one mistake because... They all made one mistake. Do you know what I mean? Everyone on that football pitch makes one mistake every week and you just hope it doesn't lead to a goal. But then you got to that end part of the game, Scott, and I think the big takeaway is that, one, the manager doesn't have faith in other players to manage the rest of the football match, which is what you need from your bench. You need to be able to put players on that can help you get over the line. And two, the players themselves, as they get tired, completely lose confidence in what they're supposed to do. 
they just don't know they can do it. They run around and then they go. <gasps> and I think you saw it with Varane. I think Varane at the end of that game was like, I'm done here. I don't know. I can't pass a ball straight anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to whack my leg for it. And I actually think again, gave the penalty away. I think Harry Maguire had a good game. Overall, I think he was really controlled and and was talking yeah, to people yeah. and holding people together and holding people to account. I saw him going up to people, go up to Varane, clap him in his face, saying, come on, mate, you know, we've got to do this, you know, switch on. I was like, oh, bit of captaincy there. I like that. That's leadership. But unfortunately, with Rafael Varane, he is your Rolls Royce. He is your multiple Champions League winner. And I think that he's probably finished at Manchester United. I'll say this. Real Madrid are not stupid. They know when to sell players. Nope. There's a reason why. Mm. And United are one of the clubs. And like I'm not I'm not saying that Varane hasn't been good at, at spells at United, but what you're buying in these players that Real Madrid decide to sell at a good time is a year, 18 months. Mm. You know? That's you're what buying you the get. back end of someone's career. You're yeah. buying the 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 end of the peak. You're, that's what you're buying. And then you 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 pay for the decline. That that yeah. that's I think I think that's where we are. Um, but I just wanted to point out as well. We'll talk about Varan in a little bit more more depth. He's without like Ten Hag has said with his centre back pairing. He wants it's either Varan or Maguire for the right side. Yeah, right. Because they're right footed, and he prefers Maguire on the right, and he yeah. prefers somebody who's capable with their left foot to play on the left because of the passing angles, because it, it, it opens up a, a bunch of different possibilities for United. Mm-hmm. Lisandro Martinez is first choice in that position. He's injured. Luke Shaw was the go-to last season in that position. We did podcasts talking about how good Luke Shaw was at left centre-back last season, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, we did. He's injured. They don't have either of those two players in there. And now, like, Johnny Evans is the answer. Now he's injured as well. So... You know, I don't know what they'll do, but Varan, let's go back to him mm. because something ain't right, Rob. Mm. I don't think. Okay, I've kind of hinted about this, and we talked a little bit about it. But we'll kind of spill some of our guts on these things with the senior players and what's going on behind the scenes. We, we we can't give you specifics on certain elements, but I do think that there are there are players that want to leave the football club. And I think Rafa Varane is one of them. So I think the whole thing is that kind of Varane and Casemiro have both realised that their physicality has reached their limit in the Premier League and they find it difficult to carry out the, the kind of high energy tactics of, of Ten Hag. Because that's what Ten Hag wants, like you just said there. Ten Hag constantly preaches to us what he wants, doesn't he? You know, keep to the game plan, outwork your opponent, you know, keep you know, play past straight footballs, please. Do kind of the simple stuff. Maguire did that really well last night at times. Maguire did it last, last night. Lines. Do you know what as well? When he said about Harry Maguire in the last game in a press conference, he said, Harry Maguire has done these things really, really well. He's passed the ball really, really well. And I've told Harry Maguire, if he keeps doing that, he, I can't drop him. He will play. Just simple. So it's quite, that's Meritocracy. quite simple, isn't it? Good. Exactly. It's that I did say I wanted to sell you like five minutes ago, but because you're now doing what I want you to do, pat on the back and get on with I feel like that. I'm watching Harry Maguire. I don't feel bad about Harry Maguire at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm like... He's, do, he's doing stuff I want him to do. So carry on. Like, you know, we don't, we're not going to kind of hold you to account on it. I think it's the same like with the fullbacks. Is that Aaron Wambasaka a year ago? You're not doing what we want. We're going to get rid of you. Oh, now you're inverting and keeping the ball much better and driving up the pitch. Oh, we will keep you then. <laughs> That's kind of how football works. I think the thing is with Rafa Varane and with Casemiro is that they've both got these two very, very big offers on the table and have, have done from the last transfer window from Saudi and that they know that there is a get out here. And I think that's a problem. So <laughs> I say I think it's a problem. We saw last night that when Johnny Evans goes down, 
Raphael Varane, when he comes off the bench generally in the past, has always been a quite an energetic guy. He gets You see him warming up. He looks ready. He looks like a pro. Yay. Last night, when he put his shirt on, he did. He wanted to be anywhere else but coming off that bench. And that was as soon as I saw that, Scott, I went, I bit my lip and I went, all right, we might be talking about a big mistake at the end of the game here because I think that you'll probably run out of gas. And when you get to the end, now I'm not trying to be Nostradamus. I'm really not trying to predict the future. These things are not difficult to predict, are they? And I think the manager is predicting that this player cannot give him exactly what he wants. I think he was the weak link in the back four last night, even more so than Delow in those moments, because you need your centre-backs, don't you, to be strong and be assured in their in their outward game on the deck, Scott, but also chasing around. I think Varane looks... He looks, he looks like he's aged. I said this about Casemiro at the start of the season. Casemiro looks like he's gone from 30 to 35 in about the space of a year. Whereas I think you look at Varane, I think he's done the same. He's just done that. The money's difficult, Scott. You look at the money abroad and go, well, I can just go run around in Saudi for two, three years and earn incredible, earn more money than I'm earning at Man United. I'm already on a big wage. So I think that's a big quandary for the manager to answer in a week's head because I don't think you're going to be able to rely on Rafa Varane at all. Well, like, if those offers come in and they're good, do it. You have to let them go. United are in yeah. a position on FF, on the FFP line or the sustainability and profitability line. Uh, yeah. That's what I was told the other day. That's that's mm-hmm. how you refer to it nowadays, not FFP. They need, they are so on that line that they need to start raising some big money. And Liverpool last year, with Fabinho specifically, got pretty lucky. They did. They got pretty lucky. We were we were looking at it. Chelsea got pretty lucky as well, sell, selling some of their players like Mendy and Koulibaly mm. out there. I know they took losses on Koulibaly, this kind of thing. Yeah, but it helps, you know. And Absolutely. that I, I don't care if it's January. Like we 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 on that imin.com the other day, I wrote a piece saying the interest in Casemiro from Saudi Arabia is there, and it could come out. It, they could even make an offer in January if they United can stop. recoup. If United can recoup even anywhere close to what they pay for Casemiro and get his wage off a bill and reinvest that in somebody or two players that Eric Ten Hag likes that, are, you know, 22 or something like that, that have got the fundamentals that can grow and learn with the team. Oh my God, do it. You know, do it. It's going to happen, Scott. Like I will be Nostradamus on that next transfer window. I think those two, those two players will be gone. And I think they'll be gone because, as you said, you talk about the the kind of rejigged FFP and, and how it looks. As you said, Liverpool got lucky. Just to go back to another thing you just said about Koulibaly, is that Koulibaly goes to Chelsea. When he goes to Chelsea, everyone says, what do you think about that, Rob? I go, well, I like Koulibaly, but they've got him at the end of his career. It's the wrong end of Koulibaly. Like, he was brilliant when he was 26, 27. That's, that was the player you wanted. But now you might run into problems. And the good thing is with Scott is that they had a year of it with him and they went, yeah, we need to change this. This is not good. It was a bad call. You know, we bought the player at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. I think it's exactly the same with Varane and Casemiro. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to diss them or get on their backs or kind of like moan at them. I think when you get older, it gets harder. You know, I'm an old man. I struggle to get out of bed sometimes. It's just what it is as you get older. But when you look at those two players, they cannot fundamentally do some of the things that you absolutely need them to do. So that's a shame. But there's nothing personal. And I think that they will have those two offers reactivated in the January transfer window. And even if you've got to lose them, Scott, and just play kids, you've got to do it because that is the way to build. It will force Man United, if you sell your centre-back and your defensive midfielder, guess what happens, Scott? They go and buy some other players. They will buy players like that because they'll have the wage, they'll have that kind of wage gap 
to then go, well, it's £350,000 for uh, Casemiro. I think it's two fifty for for Varane, maybe even three hundred. That's a lot of footballer off your wage bill. And you can then bring in younger players. I think the whole Toledo United thing have continues. three years, by the way, of Cas- paying Casemiro's wage. Yeah. Three more years. Yeah. And you have to go and find someone that will take that wage. Because I think the irony of it is, is that Casemiro, if he went to Saudi tomorrow, will be probably on closer to half a million pound a week. Mm-hmm. Maybe so Casemiro, Casemiro's going to go, do you know what? I'm not going to do what Harry Maguire did. I ain't going to ask for my 10 million quid that you do owe me. I just go because I don't want to play in the Premier League anymore. And I'm also, you know, when we're hearing about Casemiro being unhappy, is that Casemiro's like, oh, this isn't the club I thought I was joining. Well, mate, do some Googling. You, you, you can see what this football club is and has been for 10 years. That, don't be giving it that. You knew exactly what you were signing. 350 grand a week was a fantastic offer for him. That's why he took that, that uh, opportunity. And he's coming to one of the elite teams in the world and coming to the Premier League. That's an attractive thing for footballers. But quite often, Scott, we see a Koulibaly turn up and Koulibaly goes, oh, God, they run around a lot in this country. This is difficult. I don't, I can't, I can't do it in the like Serie A where I was strolling around and looking great. Guess what? Napoli sold Koulibaly. What happened, Scott? They won the league. Yeah? You know, they bought Kim and Jay. They won the league. So you can change things by identifying that you move a player on. It's not the worst thing in the world. Unfortunately, with the fan base, is that Casemiro is popular. Varane is popular. If you if you manage you need to start making unpopular decisions though like of course you do you, you you like yeah you have to put football first not what the fans think yeah playing you Johnny Evans to. is an unpopular decision isn't it like I said I wouldn't play Johnny in that role but I get why he's done it because he's looking at Varane and going you, you can't do what I want you to do and Johnny Evans is thirty six but Johnny Evans will play within himself more and control parts of the pitch and he's a left sided player so yeah there's a lot of that stuff at Man United and and this is where you are I think is that that the manager has to carry on making those choices and it's not again it's I said it last week it's not a perfect circle you're going to make some mistakes in that but I'm fine with the manager trying and testing these things because eventually you will land on something and I think if you go get centre-back Scott who is maybe 21 22 23 and you break him in then you use that for the next six months and you give him opportunity don't you you could have done that with Tadebo you could have got that player I'm not saying he's the right player but you could have got someone like that and done a Saliba with him and kind of stretched it out and said, You've got, you're going to get minutes now. We've got injuries. So we trust you rather than trusting the old guy back there that's going, well, Saudi Arabia is lovely and warm, isn't it? You know, it's, it's a bit nicer than Manchester and that wage looks very attractive. That's football, unfortunately. They said, like, we're talking about a defeat to Copenhagen, but potentially on the horizon is the time for not a completely fresh start, but maybe a little bit of a fresh start. If the sporting operation and the people running the sporting operation are going to come in yeah. and they can get a cash injection to help build what they're trying to do sooner, mm. maybe it won't even be for January. Maybe it won't, but they've got to start selling players better. And it might mean some unpopular decisions. Even There's even interest in Bruno Fernandes from Saudi Arabia. That there is. We'll, we'll do and that show pretty soon, won't we? We'll do another show. But like, yeah. you know... Uh, we got to wrap anyway. Any final and that words? might not be the worst thing ever, Scott. Like I, I think again, you make you make tough choices about the popular players, but Man United should never ever be about who sells the shirts. If that's if that's how the football club is, then guess what, Scott? You have ten years that you don't win, and that's what happens at Man United. So we'll do, we'll, we'll do the Bruno show to Saudi in the not so distant future because I think it will become relevant very soon. But I think when you look at it, Man United, if they've got these exit doors, Scott. I think Jim Ratcliffe's going to come in on day one and go, 
oh, we cleared the decks. If we can get rid of three, four, five, six high earners, Eric, guess what? We'll buy you 10 players who might not be shirt sellers, but they might win you football matches. I think Eric Ten Hag will go, yes, please, new owner. That's it. We'll wrap. That's uh, the show. Been an hour and two minutes. Subscribe wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube as well. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment and pop the notification bell on on YouTube. Follow us on social media as well at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU. United play Luton before the international break this weekend. And then there's another couple of weeks off. Let's just look. The Champions League isn't finished yet. United have a mountain to climb. The As Bruno said last night, we have to climb it. So, you know... It's, it's very easy to get down on everything and every game is essentially like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening again. But just this at least a little positive to cling on to. Just take that 20 minutes. Through. Take that 20 minutes <laughs> from the first minute, from, the, from that game. Take that 20 minutes, put it in a bottle, go and drink it before you hit Luton and smash Luton out of Old Trafford, right? And then you go into the, the international break with something to hold on to. They say it's the hope that kills you, Scott, but it's actually the hope that keeps you going. And I think that that's the thing with, with Luton, is that this is your opportunity to not let Luton come and outwork you, to not let Luton get the ball on the deck and play out from the back. Go and show Luton that they're not as good as you in the way that you did in that 20 minutes against Copenhagen. See you soon, everyone. We'll be back next week after the Luton game. Fingers crossed we'll be talking about a win again and some positive eyes. Maybe even the ownership thing might change within getting the next close. two weeks getting close anyway uh see you soon everyone thanks for listening or watching and uh yeah keep your I, i've even through this show had a nice dm saying i love the show this kind of thing so really appreciate that get in touch with us as well if you do like what we're doing and uh we'll see you soon everyone this has been the promise and from scott and rob until next time at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.